It's spelled N-O-N-E-S, and they want nothing to do with church. Kirby Anderson helps us to reach these lost ones for Christ, now on Probe. Pro Ministries is committed to updating you on the status of Christianity in America, and this week we'll consider the book by James White, The Rise of Nuns, Understanding and Reaching the Religiously Unaffiliated. His book addresses a critical topic since the fastest-growing religious group of our time are those who check none or none of the above on religious survey questions. Let's begin by reviewing some observations about Christianity in America. From the 1930s into the early 1990s, the percentage of nuns in America was less than 8%. But by 2012, the number had grown to 20% of all adults and appears to be increasing. Even more alarming, among those ages 18 to 30, the percentage grew by a factor of 3 from 11% in 1990 to 32% in 2012. Another study reported that Protestantism is no longer the majority in the United States, dropping from 66% in the 1960s down to 48% in 2012. The nuns tend to consider themselves to be liberal or politically moderate in favor of abortion and same-sex marriage and seldom, if ever, attend religious services. For the most part, they are not atheists and are not necessarily hostile towards religious institutions. However, among those who believe in nothing in particular, 88% are not even looking for a specific faith or religion. As James White notes, these changes in attitude come in the wake of a second major attack on traditional Christian beliefs. The first set of attacks consist of Copernicus attacking the existence of God, Darwin attacking God's involvement in creation, and Freud attacking our very concept of a creator God. The second storm of attacks focuses on perceptions of how Christians think in three important areas. Number one, an over-entanglement with politics linked to anti-gay sexual conservatism and abrasiveness. Two, hateful aggression that has the church talking in ways that have stolen God's reputation. And three, an obsession with greed seen in televangelist transgressions and mega-pastor materialism causing distrust of the church. These perceptions, whether true or not, create an environment where there is no benefit in the public mind to self-identifying with a Christian religious denomination. This has been Probe with your host, Kirby Anderson. To get your free copy of Steve Cable's transcript, The Rise of the Nuns, and that, by the way, is spelled N-O-N-E-S, visit us online at probe.org. That's probe.org. Then join us next time as we bring God's light to our dark world here on Probe. This week, we're delving into James White's book on the rise of nuns. A Barna study shows that America rapidly is moving into a post-Christian status. Their survey-based study came to this conclusion. Over 48% of young adults are post-Christian, and the influence of post-Christian trends is likely to increase and is a significant factor among today's youngest Americans. White suggests this trend is a result of three deep and fast-moving cultural currents, secularization, privatization, and pluralization. Secularization teaches that the secular world is reality and our thoughts about the spiritual world are fantasy. White states, we seem content to accept the idea of faith being privately engaging but culturally irrelevant. In a society which is not affirming of public religious faith, it is much more difficult to hold to a vibrant personal faith. 
Privatization creates a chasm between the public and private spheres of life, trivializing Christian faith to the realms of opinion. Nancy Piercy saw this and said, The most pervasive thought pattern of our times is the two-realm view of truth. In it, the first and public realm is secular truth, stating humans are machines. The second and private one deals with spirituality. Pluralization tells us that all religions are equal in their lack of ultimate truth and their ability to deliver eternity. Rather, speaking the truth of Christ, our postmodern ethic teaches us that we can each have our own truth. White sums up today's situation this way. They forgot that their God was radically other than man. They committed religion functionally to make the world better in human terms and intellectually to modes of knowing God fitted only for understanding this world. This combination of secularization, privatization, and pluralization has led to a mismatch of bad religion overtaking much of mainstream Christianity. The underlying basis of the belief systems of nuns is that there's a lot of truth to go around. In this postmodern world, it is considered futile to search for absolute truth. Instead, we create our own truth from the facts at hand as necessary despite the facts. Of course, this creates the desirable attribute that we and no one else can be sinners anymore. With no wrong, we feel no need for the ultimate source of truth, namely God. This week we've been considering the rise of the nuns, their belief in thinking. Can we reach them with the gospel causing them to genuinely consider the case for Christ? We're not going to reach them by doing more of the same. Statistics indicate that we are not doing a good job of reaching the nuns. As White notes, the very people who say they want unchurched people to find Jesus resist the most basic issues related to building a relationship with someone apart from Christ and inviting them to an open, winsome, and compelling front door so that they can come and see. Paul had to change his approach when addressing Greeks in Athens, in the same way we need to understand how to speak to a culture we want to penetrate. In the 1960s, a non-believer was likely to have a working knowledge of Christianity. They needed to personally respond to the offer of salvation, not just intellectually, but agreed to its validity. This situation made revivals and door-to-door -door visitation excellent tools to reach lost people. Today we face a different dynamic among the nuns. The goal is not simply knowing how to articulate the means of coming to Christ. It is learning how to facilitate and enable the person to progress from little knowledge of Christ to where he or she is able to consider accepting Christ. The rise of the nuns calls for a new strategy for effectiveness. Today, these causes should be and could be a leading way in which to engage the nuns in terms of both arresting their attention and enlisting their participation. Up through the 1980s, many unchurched would respond for salvation and then be incorporated into the church and then become drawn to Christian causes. But from the 1990s through the 2000s, unchurched people often needed to experience fellowship in the body before they were ready to respond to the gospel. Today we have nuns who are first attracted to the causes addressed by Christians, and becoming involved in those causes, they are attracted to the community of believers, and gradually they become ready to respond to the gospel. We need to be aware of how these can be used to offer the good news in a way that can penetrate through the cultural fog. White puts it this way, Even if it takes a while to get to talking about Christ, our church members get there, and they do it with integrity and credibility. Later, I've seen those nuns enfolded into our community and before long the waters of baptism. Relating to nuns may be outside your comfort zone, but God has called us to step out and to share His love. 
You know, every day we're on a mission to the unchurched around us. James White suggests ways that we can communicate in a way that the nuns can understand. We need to take to heart the three primary tasks of any missionary to an unfamiliar culture. First, learn how to communicate with the people we're trying to reach. Second, become sensitized to the new culture to operate effectively within it. And third, translate the gospel into its own cultural context so that it can be heard, understood, and appropriated. The growth of the nuns comes largely from mainline Protestants and Catholics right in the squishy middle where there is little emphasis on the truth of God's Word. How can we confront them with the truth in a loving way? Well, the Gospel of John tells us that grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. Jesus, through the free gift of grace, grounded the eternal truth. As we translate the Gospel in today's cultural context for the nuns, this combination needs to shine through our message. What does it look like to balance grace and truth? If we're communicating no grace and no truth, we're following the example of Hinduism. If we're high on grace but lacking in truth, we give license to virtually any lifestyle and perspective, affirming today's new definition of tolerance. On the other hand, truth without grace is the worst form of legalism, what many nuns believe to be the hallmark of Christian faith. The real representative of dogma without grace is Islam. In a survey of 750 Muslims who had converted to Christianity, they said as Muslims they could never be certain of their forgiveness and salvation as Christians can. Grace is the distinctive message of Christianity, but never remove it from the truth of the high cost that Christ paid. Jesus challenged the religious thought of the day with the truth of God's standard, and recognizing that we cannot achieve that standard, we run to grace of God by faith. To communicate the truth, we need to respond to the new questions nuns are asking of any faith. As White points out, I do not encounter very many people who ask questions that classical apologetics trained us to answer. Instead, the new questions have to do with significance and meaning. Questions such as, so what? And is this God of yours really that good? We need to be prepared to give a defense for the hope that is within us in ways that the nuns around us can resonate with. We can find this described in the article, The Apologetics of Peter, on our website. You know, the nuns desperately need the truth of Jesus, yet it is a challenge to effectively reach them. Reaching out to a group of people who have given up on the church, we must renew our own commitment to the very thing they have rejected, that is, the church. The fact that some in today's culture have problems with today's church does not mean that God intends it to be abandoned. The church needs to grasp its mandate to engage in the process of counter-secularization. There is often disparaging quips made about organized religion, but there is nothing disorganized about the biblical model. We all have a role to play in making our church a force for the gospel in our community. It must be clear to those outside that we approach our task with civility and unity. Our individual actions are not sufficient to bring down the domain of darkness. Jesus told us, if those who encounter the church can sense the unity holding us together, they will be drawn to our message. So how will the nuns come into contact with the unity of Christ? It will most likely be through interaction with a church acting as the church. As White points out, if the church has a front door, and it clearly does, why shouldn't it be strategically developed for the optimal impact for all nuns who may venture inside? Surveys indicate that 82% of unchurched people would come to a church this weekend if they were invited by a friend. 
One way we have a chance to interact with the nuns is when we expose their children to a church experience. Children's ministry is just not something to occupy our children while we have church, but it could be instead a key part of our outreach to the lost nuns in the community. He says what you do with their children could be a deal breaker. In today's culture, we cannot overemphasize the deep need for visual communication. Almost everyone is attuned to visually accepting and receiving information and meaning. By incorporating visual arts in our church mainstream, it has a way of sneaking past the defenses of the heart. We need to keep evangelism at the forefront. This is no time to wave the flag of social ministry and justice issues so single-mindedly in the name of cultural acceptance and the hip factor that it becomes our collective substitute for the clear articulation of the gospel. White clearly states our goal, our only hope, and heart of the Great Commission is to stem the tide by turning the nuns into Christians.